Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now 3-1 and one since their bye week. And they are probably a better and different team than you think they are. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Not only are the Steelers 3-1 and one since their bye week, they are now 4-1 and one on the season when T.J. Watt plays at least half the snaps. This is a stat I got into last season, uh, and it's it stayed true this season. Last year, the Steelers were 9-3 and when T.J. Watt played at least half the game. They were 0-4-1 when he didn't. This year, the Steelers are 4-1 with T.J. Watt playing, 1-6 when he doesn't. It means over the last two seasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 13-4. That's a 17-game stretch. They have played with T.J. Watt 17 games over the last two seasons, and they're 13-4 and four in those games. They have played 12 games without him in those 12 games. They are 1-10-1. The Steelers are one of the best teams in the NFL by win-loss record when they have T.J. Watt, when they don't. They're the worst. This backs up since he joined the league. Since 2017, the Steelers are now 54-23-1 with TJ Watt. That's a 70% win percentage. They are 2-12-1 when they don't have him. That's 14.3%. The crazy thing is the difference between those numbers is over 55%. The Steelers win a gap, a significantly huge gap of games more with T.J. Watt than they do without him. The supposed best player in NFL history, winningest player all time, Tom Brady. From 2001 to 2019, New England won 77% of the games that Tom Brady quarterbacked. Without him? They went 13-8. and eight. They won 62%. That's a difference of 15%. That's significant in football. That's huge. That's a big difference. That's the difference between being a Super Bowl contender and not. The Steelers, with T.J. Watt, are a playoff team. Maybe not a good playoff team, but they're a playoff team. Without him... They're a number one pick contender. They're drafting first or second overall. That's the difference TJ Watt makes. And the crazy thing is, this difference is visible this year the same as last year. When this year, 
He has a one and a half sacks. Three tackles for loss. None of the production he put up last season. Last season, set the record for sacks. Dominating the statistical categories. And yet, he's just as valuable this year. It's, it's, it's a crazy little thing. Uh, and we need to accept this. This is something I think people need to accept. I've tried writing about this, tried talking about this in the offseason, that this defense was going to be different without Keith Butler. Because Keith Butler was a phenomenal pass rush coordinator. His pass rushes were among the best in the NFL. He was not good with coverage schemes. And as is the case in the NFL, if you are really good at something, you get promoted one spot beyond that. For example, if you're a brilliant offensive coordinator and have no clue what you're doing on defense, you'll still get a head coaching job. You're a phenomenal offensive coordinator, you'll get a head coaching job. Whether you're a good head coach or not, whether you know defense or not, it doesn't matter. If you're a fantastic defense coordinator, you're going to get a head coaching job. You're going to do that. They always do. Keith Butler was a phenomenal pass rush coordinator. He ended up a defensive coordinator where until they brought in Terrell Austin, uh, his his coverage schemes were a big liability for the team that that pass rush had to cover for and frequently was able to do. Keith Butler's gone Brian Flores' defense is different. They blitz a lot. They get pressure on the quarterback. They don't get sacks like Keith Butler. And oftentimes, those pressure and sacks come from different places. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick record some pressures today. We saw in this last game, we saw him record a tackle for a loss. We saw Terrell Edmonds get a sack the previous week. We're seeing more Brian Flores. And with that, we're seeing less production from T.J. Watt. That's because the scheme around them has changed. T.J. Watt is still just as valuable as he's ever been, but he's not in a system that's going to get him a lot of stats. Not right now. He does, I'm going to say he on film, he does not have the explosiveness to finish that he shows that really separates him from, from other players on the edge. He is still getting pressure. He's still disruptive. He's still creating opportunities for the defense to get off the field. Uh, to, to make the other team punt or to create interceptions, stuff like that. He's still making plays. He's just not quite where he has been, and he's not in the same scheme. That makes a big difference. That makes a really big difference. Before we get before we go move on from there, I, I want one more talk about one more thing with TJ Watt. For his career, the Steelers have won 70% of the games that he has played in at least half the game. That includes the entire 2019 season, which was a nightmarish season where the defense had to drag the offense to wins. We all watched that. We know what happened. If you remove the 2019 season and you look only at seasons where he played and the offense was reasonably competent, T.J. Watt and the Steelers have a 75% win percentage outside of the 2019 season. 75%. That's crazy. Only 15 losses 
with him playing outside of the 2019 season. It's crazy. 75% win percentage with TJ Watt. Again, I'll remind you that from 2001 to 2019, New England won 77% of their games when Tom Brady played. Obviously, this is regular season. Playoffs is a different story, right? Steelers have all this lack of playoff success. But when you run into good teams, you have to have a good team, right? If you're not a very good team, but you have a TJ Watt and you're facing also not a very good team, TJ Watt is the difference between winning and losing. He is good enough to make that difference. This team is a terrible team without T.J. Watt. With him, it's a serious winning team. Just, it, it, to me, uh, I talk about that because in a sport like football, that should never be the case. You should never see a player, even a Tom Brady, shouldn't have that big of a difference on wins and losses. T.J. Watt does. Hall of Famers don't. The greatest players of all time, you look at their numbers, they don't make that kind of impact on wins losses like TJ Watt is doing right now. It's crazy. All right, moving on from TJ Watt. Some interesting things from this game. Uh, the Steelers, one of the themes of this game for me is the Steelers went into this game against Atlanta, uh, determined to beat Atlanta at their own game, beat the Falcons at their own game. They came in, they ran heavy, they substituted running backs early, but on defense, they early and often were substituting and switching out their defensive linemen. They were doing a bigger rotation on the defensive line, getting players in. Montrevious Adams was the number three defensive lineman again in front of Chris Wormley. That's a big deal for the for run defense. We did see DeMarvin Leal's return. He only got seven snaps, though. Tyson Alualu played 13 snaps in this game. You saw them getting in. You saw them rotating their guys to keep them safe. Cam Hayward... Uh, was the had played the most of any defensive lineman, of course. I mean, he showed he's the best. Uh, Chris Wormley was their number four defensive lineman. Cam Hayward only played nine snaps more in this game than Chris Wormley did. They were rotating those guys frequently. An interesting thing, Devin Bush played the most snaps of any linebacker. That has not been the case in the past. It's been Miles Jack and often even Robert Spillane is right up there with Devin Bush. This game, and as was the case last game, Devin Bush led the linebackers in snaps played. And when you look at how they used Devin Bush and how they were playing this game, to me, it looks like the Steelers were much more concerned with Devin Bush's ability to have speed to the outside. Run down plays going outside. Don't let Atlanta get the edge and start breaking outside runs. You want a linebacker who gets out there quicker. Miles Jack is not as quick going laterally as Devin Bush. Devin Bush is a much more, a much better lateral moving linebacker than Miles Jack is. Miles Jack is much, much better in the box. If you're running against in the side of the box, you want Miles Jack in there 100% of the time over Devin Bush. Outside, Devin Bush has an advantage there. The Steelers were swapping their defensive linemen, relying on that interior defensive line to really stuff the inside run game. And they kept Devin Bush uh, in there to be outside. They also, if you watched, if you watched the plays, they often were lining up uh, 
their inside linebackers on the outside of the the defense, like outside the edge rushers as linebackers even, or in the gaps there between, you know, a defensive end and TJ Watt, Terrell Edmonds would line up there. They were really putting guys outside. They were putting some speed outside. They were really saying the Falcons were not going to let you break things outside. You're going to have to run up the middle on us. And we're going to keep rotating our defensive line and just win the interior of the line. That's our goal. Win the interior of the line with your defensive line. Use your linebackers and safeties to shut down outside run plays. It worked. It worked for most of the game. They had some push uh, in the third quarter. They got a couple of drives off. But other than that, Steelers actually did really good in this game. When we look at the defensive stats for this game, you, you may think it's better than it is. 16 points only allowed. They didn't allow 20 points. But as we'll talk about in the offensive side, this game... Uh, had very few possessions, significantly fewer possessions than other games. The Atlanta Falcons only had eight possessions. In those possessions, in their yards per play, stuff like that, uh, Atlanta actually slightly performed, performed slightly better than their average game. They were slightly better than they are on average in per-drive stats, in per-play stats, uh, yards per rush, stuff like that. So the Steelers weren't as good as other teams have been against Atlanta, but it it wasn't bad enough to really get beat. Part of the reason was the Steelers really shut down Marcus Mariota, one of the things they've done for quite a while, especially since uh, Keith Butler took over, is keep quarterbacks in check when they, when they try to run. They don't let you win with a running quarterback. If you remember facing Lamar Jackson, how the Steelers would give up yards to Gus Edwards, but not Lamar Jackson. They're not going to let a quarterback run and beat them. And they did that with Marcus Mariota. Probably made a difference. Some players stand out beyond the whole T.J. Watt thing uh, and the defensive line and the front seven. In the secondary, you've got to start with Cameron Sutton. To me, he had a fantastic game. I've talked about him being a very solid number two cornerback, and the only real problems he has is when he has to face a really high-end talent, and then he's just overmatched. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons did not have a number one talent wide receiver in this game, or at least Drake London could be in the future, but he's not that guy right now. And Cameron Sutton consistently won matchups in this game. He played phenomenal football in this game. Minka Fitzpatrick obviously made that big read at the end, that big interception, but Minka was all over the place. Led the Steelers in tackling. That's been a while. Uh, but this is the kind of game where that happens, where you have a running team that can actually eat the eat up the defensive line, and Minka was having to come down and make plays and make tackles to stop drives from, from being touchdown drives and turn them into field goal drives to you know, prevent the Atlanta Falcons from wearing the defense down and actually breaking those big plays. Minka Fitzpatrick was a huge part of that. And then, of course, that interception at the end, fantastic. Everyone talks about him sliding. Man, watch watch the, the All-22 film of that when it comes out. Uh, I'm definitely going to be posting it on my Twitter when I get a hold of it. But the replays of it, the charge Minka Fitzpatrick makes, the, the moment he sees what is happening in the play, 
to getting to the ball, making that interception. Classic Minka Fitzpatrick. Just he he figures out the play, shoots out of a cannon, covers a ridiculous amount of ground to get to the ball. It's a night. He's a nightmare for quarterbacks. If you're not just really watching him or purposefully and consistently looking him off to not let him get a read on where you're going with the ball. If you're not doing that, he's going to make you pay. And he did there. He made them pay. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get to the offense. I'm very excited to talk about the offense this week because this is where I think a lot of people are going to miss what's going on right in front of their eyes as they get more concerned with numbers and traditional stats and fantasy football stuff than they do what they're actually seeing. So we'll take a commercial break and I'll be right back. Welcome back, dealer fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. It's Ravens Week. If you're listening to this, it's coming out Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday or on Wednesday, uh, I want to invite you to come on. We're going to have a guest talking about the Ravens with us Wednesday night on YouTube. And Facebook, we go live, 8.30, around there every night on Wednesdays to talk about the upcoming opponent. We're going to have a guest to talk about the Ravens. I'm very excited about this guest and what we're going to get to talk about. Uh, Always great for a rivalry week to get a little bit into that rivalry, switch our attention from what the Steelers have done to the test ahead of them facing the Ravens. It's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. It's a great week to be a Steelers fan, and I'm looking forward to a tough, good game against the Ravens this week. Hopefully, we get a good result. Make sure you're checking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Keep ahead of everything that's going on. Injury reports, who's practicing, who's where, any roster changes. Uh, Dave Schofield's incredible with that stuff. He he does most of it. Uh, They keep right up on top of everything. Great place to get all your information. Make sure you're listening to all the podcasts as we prepare for a big rivalry week here at Behind the Steel Curtain. First half of this show, we talked about the defense. We're going to talk about the offense now. When you look at this game, and you're going to hear it, people talk about Kenny Pickett's playing better, the offense is playing better. Then you're going to go look at the stats. And you're going to hear people call this out, too. I've already seen it on Twitter. People saying, hey, you're saying Kenny Pickett did better. You're saying the offense was better. It doesn't look better statistically. I mean, how is 19 points and 197 yards some kind of great offensive production? Right? Well, I would like to compare this week, this past game against the Falcons, to the Steelers scoring 30 points against the Bengals. 
Against the Bengals, the Steelers had 30, 330 points they scored, and they gained 351 yards. That's obviously a much better offensive output than 19 points and 194 yards. Or at least you'd think that. In that game against the Bengals, the Steelers had 13 full legitimate drives. 13 of them. When you divide... 351 yards by 13 drives, you get 27 yards per drive. 30 points on 13 possessions, 13 drives, is 2.3 points per possession. When the Steelers' offense got their hands on the ball in that game, they averaged 2.3 points per drive. They got 30 points. This week against the Falcons, a lot of places will credit the Steelers with 9 drives. They only had 7 Two of those drives consisted of one play that that goes down as a run play and then them allowing the clock to run out for the half. That's not a drive. If if you're you're comparing that, that's, that's not the offense trying anything. A kneel down is not a drive. You're not trying to score a touchdown. You're just kneeling down. You don't count those drives. When you take those drives out, which you should, any reputable place that does statistics will take those drives out. One play drive where it's a run play and then you let the clock run out or, you know, two plays where it's two runs for negative two yards and the clock runs out. That's not a drive. That's kneeling down. That's ending the half. When you take those two drives out, the Steelers, uh, the first, the, the first half they ended, they ran the ball for four yards and then let the clock run out. You take uh, the second end of the fourth quarter, they kneeled for a one-yard loss. So we have to take three yards off of their total. All right, so you have 194 yards gained on seven drives. That's 28 yards per drive. One better than in the Bengals game when they gained 351 yards. 19 points divided by seven drives is 2.7 points per possession. Compare that to 2.3 points per possession against the Bengals when they got to 30 points. The difference between this offense and the offense we saw in the Bengals was this offense didn't get the ball 13 times. They didn't have 13 real drives. They had seven, slightly over half as many possessions. It'd be like if someone shot, it'd be like, okay, it'd be like if Deontay Johnson is targeted 13 times and George Pickens is targeted seven times and Deontay Johnson has like more yards. Well, yeah, he should. He had twice as many targets. You would hope he has more yards. And when he has the same number of yards or less yards than George Pickens or even just slightly more, you're like, yeah, but George Pickens was better. He needs more targets. The reason the Steelers had these lower offensive stats is not because their offense was less productive per opportunity with the ball. They were actually more productive than they've been like at any point this season with the ball. Scored more more yards across the board. But when the Steelers came into this game, they came in facing an Atlanta team that when it wins games... It wins because it wears down your defense with their run attack, controls the clock, and is able to pull out a win in the end. The Steelers know they're not a high-scoring team. You don't want to get into a shootout if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you're going to have 
an offense that is probably going to wear down your defense, and the Steelers have been a defense that you can wear down. They've shown that this season. They don't have that kind of depth. They will wear down, and you can start running on them and start having success and opening things up. So Steelers came in with a game plan to out-Falcon the Falcons, and they ran the ball, and they controlled the clock. The first drive was almost eight minutes long, and they scored a field goal. Eight-minute opening drive for a field goal. That set the tone for the game right there. In doing so, the Steelers were able to limit the number of possessions to where the Steelers had seven real drives. The Falcons had eight. That limits the amount of wear on your defense. They were rotating the defensive line. They're doing all those things to keep them fresh and and not allow the Falcons to, to win the way that they needed to win. And it worked. They out-falconed the Falcons. And in doing so, we're the most efficient this offense has been this entire season so far. The overall numbers are low because the plan worked. The offense had the ball so much that they took drives away from themselves as well as from the Falcons, which made it much harder for the Falcons to wear down a defense. And the Steelers win. If the Steelers and Falcons both had 13 drives in this game, I would expect the Steelers to lose simply because 13 drives, man, at some point the defense is going to start giving up run rush yards. Like we saw that in the second half, it started. They made some plays to end it, didn't let the Falcons win the game, but they were starting to work. The Steelers were able to win and stave off a loss because the Falcons didn't have time because the Steelers controlled the clock. That's the story of this game. That is absolutely the story of this game. Beyond that, I mean, it's it's almost a running joke to me how bad our Steelers wide receivers are outside of George Pickens when he's getting the ball thrown to him. Uh, the productivity in this game was terrible from the wide receivers. Everyone but the wide receivers absolutely feasted on the Falcons' defense. Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth played less than 50% of the snaps in this game. Actually, I got that mixed up. He actually played 55% of the snaps. Don't don't come after me for that one. I misspoke. He didn't play. He was He was behind Zach Gentry. In snap counts. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, he played 55% of the snaps. Zach Gentry played more than him. He had, uh, I think he had, he had 30-some snaps. He had 70-some yards. He had he had just over two yards per snap that he played. Pat Fryermuth was a beast that they had no ability to deal with. We saw Benny Snell and Jalen Warren getting subbed in early and frequently for Najee Harris from the first drive on. He was getting plays off. He played only 66% of snaps in this game. That's one of his lowest numbers for a game where he's actually healthy. The Steelers really were in this game for the long haul with the goal of making that long haul fewer possessions. Right? Run the clock, get the clock out, control the game clock, shorten the game. And they did. They absolutely succeeded at that, and it shows in the win column. 
a fun way to show just how different the game in Week 11 against the Bengals was compared to the Atlanta Falcons game and the number of plays and the number of time, the amount of time they actually spent playing football compared to just watching the clock tick. If you if you have a NFL Plus, NFL Game Pass, it used to be called, they put out a condensed game where they take from before the snap to after the play and then they go to the next play, right? They cut out a lot of the time in between, a lot of the talking time. They cut out all the commercial breaks. And games drop substantially in the amount of time it takes to watch them. That's the point of it. The Steelers versus the Bengals in Week 11. 37-30. to 30, Steelers gained 350-some yards. That game condensed is 45 minutes and 35 seconds long. This game, this past game against the Falcons, 34 minutes and 38 seconds long. The Bengals game had roughly one-third more game than this one did. That just, I hope that drives home the Steelers' success in their commitment in this game, in this matchup, to controlling the clock, to controlling the pace of the game, saving their defense from getting worn down to give themselves a chance to win. And the story of the game is how good the Steelers were at it. Much better than the Falcons have been. And to me, man, that's your story going forward. If you can do that, give this defense a little less of a workout, let the offense carry the game with fewer possessions, more controlling the clock, that's how the Steelers used to win 2015, 2016, when that defense wasn't very good and the offense was really good. They won by just slowing down games. They they had fewer possessions than most offenses in the NFL. It's one of the reasons they didn't score 30 points. They would even uh they were they were often in position where if they had an average number of drives, they would have averaged 30 points a game back in those Todd Haley we want to average 30 points a game. That's our goal. Well, the reason they didn't make that goal is because to be honest with you, <laughs> they slowed the game down to save their defense and it worked. They won games that they probably shouldn't have won. And looked better than they really were. Got exposed often when they faced a team that they couldn't control the clock on in the playoffs. This team could be that same kind of team. It's, it's They have the potential. I think this really is a, a roadmap going forward to getting this team back into the hunt. It's crazy to say that. If I pronounce them dead after losing to the Bengals. I still think they're on the outside looking in, but they're going to make it close. They're going to make it so that by the end of the season, we're still kind of close and kind of hanging around. That's how the Steelers do it. They don't like to be out of the discussion. They don't like to be out of the mix. I was talking last week about this being a team that is learning how to win. This week, this team started forging an identity. Really forging an identity for themselves. Putting a, mode, uh, putting a roadmap out there to moving forward. Yeah, they need to rebuild the defense. Yeah, they're going to need uh, – there's there's positions of problem. They could use some, some upgrades on the offensive line. They could use it. They absolutely need a number three wide receiver. They don't have one at all. It'd be nice if they could get an upgrade on Deontay Johnson and slide him down to number three and have – you know, a situation like that where you have a star receiver alongside of George Pickens, who I think is going to be great next season. 
This is a team that is looking like it can succeed as a team built around the offense, especially seeing Kenny Pickett develop. When we talk about Kenny Pickett's developing, I'm going to, I'm going to be clear on it here. He started out as a guy coming in, throwing the ball all over the place, making college mistakes, being aggressive, making college mistakes. Then he tampered it down. Started getting rid of the mistakes, but also all the good aggressive plays downfield died and were just gone. And he was just a game manager there for a bit. And then you started to see more and you've started to see more comfort. You've started to see more of him understanding how to make plays in this offense without exposing yourself to the risk of turnovers frequently. This is the growth we're seeing with Kenny Pickett and it's happening fast. This is also why when people say he was the most, you know, when people start talking about NFL readiness, right, it's how much of a learning curve is this player going to have? Kenny Pickett was way behind still. You're going to be. You don't step from college to the NFL and in your first offseason as a rookie catch up and be ready week one to be an NFL quarterback. No one does. His learning curve is impressive. And it tells me we've got a quarterback. You got a good one. He's no Ben Roethlisberger. He's not. He's unlikely to be a Hall of Fame candidate at any point in his career. Uh, but he's going to be a good one. He looks like a person who's developing to do a really good quarterback. If we have talent around him, we're going to see success. I mean, we're seeing success now with this team. When really, I think we're a few players away from being as good as we looked in that game. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the Falcons' defense not being great. We are going to face some better defenses. And that's where I think you're going to see people expose the Steelers and their weaknesses that Kenny Pickett is starting to be able to cover for a bit. All right, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. As always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers. Steelers.